Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm your host, Erin Austin. My goal with every episode is to share information and resources to help you achieve the next level of growth in your expertise-based business. We all know generating income from our expertise is pretty easy. The challenge is in scaling and building a business that can run without you. Join me here every week to make sure you are building an asset that can be used to fund your goals and your legacy. Before we get started though, one little disclaimer, because I'm a lawyer. The information I share on the podcast is general in nature and is provided for information purposes only. It is not to be relied upon nor construed as providing legal advice or legal opinions about any specific issue or set of facts. Now, here we go. Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I am very excited for my guest today. Welcome, Sarah. Hi. So good to be here, Erin. Lots to talk about. We know we love to talk about SOPs here and processes and making sure we're building a business that can scale. So this is going to be a great episode for the audience. But before we get started, will you introduce yourself? Yeah, kia ora. I'm Sarah Greener and I'm from all the way down here in New Zealand. I feel like I'm a long way from Erin. I work with female business owners all over New Zealand, Australia and throughout the States who are way too busy and overwhelmed to get them back a day a week. And the way that we do that is through focusing on how they're using their time, which ultimately leads into what we're going to be chatting about today. We do something called a success map, which gets the gap from what you think your business looks like to what it's actually operating like. We close that gap so that you can run your business without it running you and you can have other people help you do that as well. Uh, Very, very, very important. So I will say there is a beautiful picture window behind Sarah where I can see how green it is where she is. And I have been to New Zealand 20 years ago (laughs) and did a walk. What is it called? I think I was over. Is it Milford? Is that New Zealand? Yeah. Did you get Milford? Yes. Sounds beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Right down at the bottom of the South Island. And it rained the entire time. Yeah. It's a rain. Three nights and camping. They told you do not eat in your tent at the campgrounds. It was just one night. It was pouring rain. We're like, we're got to like eat. So we eat in the tent. And so what happens? In comes the mice and they're just hanging out. Doesn't matter apparently how hard it's raining, waiting for you to even eat a cracker inside of your tent. (laughs) And so it's scrambling around. And of course, you know, I'm a light sleeper. My son's father, he's a man. He sleeps through anything. So I am like, oh my God. And it would run up the side of the tent till it got no gravity right back down on me. Run up the side of the tent back on me and so we finally woke him up and we got the thing out of the tent but beautiful like otherworldly beautiful it's just yeah. unreal we would get to a place where we were above the clouds and saw it and we're like oh my god this is so gorgeous what yeah. a beautiful love. Milford's amazing you can actually do a boat cruise down there in the sounds and they actually say it's actually better when the weather's not good because you get all more waterfalls and if the wind's blowing the waterfalls can actually turn around and go back up and things like that it's just incredible down there did you say the waterfalls go back up because the wind gets underneath them and so they'll come (gasps) if it's really windy so the waterfalls are coming down on the side of the sound and then it turns them and you'll see them it's amazing yeah I missed that (laughs) yeah come back you'll love it (laughs) Come to the top of the North Island and come see me. (laughs) 
at the time I lived in LA, so it wasn't quite as far as a journey to get there so yeah. far, but not quite as far as from the East Coast. We'll, we'll definitely do that. So tell me about your typical client and what pains are they feeling when they go, I got to go talk to Sarah. So my typical client is me a decade ago. They tend to be between 30 and 50 women who have got out into their own business. In my world, generally they have some physical components. So they either have offices or a shop front of some description and they are busy building their business and they think that someday things will get better. If they just work a little bit harder and a little bit longer and they get some more customers, things will get better in the future. It's not until we kind of shine a light on the fact that it's just all the hours. They're working so many hours. It's not aligned with the life they really want. So they got out into business much like you and I probably for some freedom, for some flexibility, for the ability to do the things that mattered to them. And all of a sudden, this business kind of turned into this monster that started eating their whole life. So they're feeling overwhelmed. They're feeling stressed when they're at work. They're feeling guilty for not being at home with their children. They're feeling guilty for not being at work. Maybe they've got some team members, but they feel like they are constantly fighting fires that somebody else started. They're just exhausted from doing that all the time. And they know there's a better way and their business is working. It's making money, but it feels really hard. So we're looking to make that simpler for them. Yeah, I'm sure that everyone in this audience can relate to that. This is an audience of mostly service-based businesses of experts. And so there's a unique challenge to scaling the service-based business. I am my avatar of someone who comes out of corporate and basically does what they were doing in corporate, but on my own and using my expertise and you start out selling your time and just doing things, you know, because it's what you know, and you're not really thinking about creating systems, how to scale this thing until you hit that wall. What are the special issues that a service-based business may have in trying to look at these issues? I think it's even more significant a service-based business because the thing they start off selling is their time. And particularly if you've come out of that kind of corporate world where you're paid by the hour and you charge by the hour. And so everything in your head is done by the hour. And that's the way you position yourself when you first get started. And the challenge with that is generally there's a gap between what you're charging and the value that you're creating. It also means that previously, if you're working for someone else, there was probably a lot less not chargeable work that you had to do. Small confession, I was an accountant back in my 20s and we used to do the little six minute timesheets to charge our time out. Yeah, that's (laughs) nightmare stuff. (laughs) Just check for that now. Thank goodness. I used to be in that world and so everything was charged. Every six minutes was charged to a client. In your own business, there's a whole lot of stuff to do that's not chargeable to a client. And so you have to make sure that first and foremost, that's really slick because you can't charge that time out to anyone. So you don't want to spend a lot of time on it. So we talk about it in terms of future creators and future stealers. And so reconciling your accounts and sending invoices, while you have to do them, they're going to steal your future if you spend too much time doing them because you're not charging for that time. And then there also gets to that point where people start to question the rate at which you're charging. They can't perceive how they could possibly pay you $500 an hour when they're only earning X amount an hour. And so you have to start looking at how do I package this up and look at a way that I can value the value rather than the time that I'm putting in. I can value the outcome I'm getting rather than how long it takes me to get it. And then you can start thinking about how do I get this outcome smarter so that I can deliver the outcome with less of me in it and that's going to grow the business for you. And the cool thing about service is there's lots of ways to do it, which is great. 
That is so true. Yeah. That cap on how much you can charge your time for. There's a self-improvement guy here, like a coach to the stars called Tony Robbins. I think he charges like a million bucks to be his client. You know, like most of us don't get to charge a million bucks for our services. There's going to be a cap, period. And so you're going to hit that wall and you're going to have to figure out a way to decouple your income from your time if you ever want to get past that cap for sure. Yeah, it's going to tap you out and it's tiring. So I've been there. So I didn't come from that world. I've come from the world of running a small business, a physical business in tourism. But then I've come into the service world as a coach and that's where I started. I would give you X number of hours of coaching for X number of dollars. It's a package. And I got to the point where I was coaching 35 hours a week, which is intense. Yeah. And then I still had to do all the business stuff around and I was like, oh, hang on. I'm going back to doing what I was doing before, but worse. And I'm teaching people not to do this. And so that's when you have to start thinking about, okay, how am I going to do this smarter? Because you actually tap out your ability at some point to do a good job and build the life you want. Yeah. You don't want to build a job for yourself without a job without benefits. For here in the US, the employment tax yeah. paid, the social security paid, insurance here, we got to have a job to get through the insurance. You got to do all the sales and the development and all these things. And you're still getting basically, because we have in our head, we talked, you mentioned this, that replacing that salary that we got from our employer, but we're putting in way more than we were to get that salary when we were in-house. Yeah. And I think there's also that gap. I think when you're an employee, you don't recognize that actually the cost of an employee is more. So in New Zealand, we add 20 to 25% to every salary to say that's actually the real cost mm -hmm. and the real benefit to the employee because we pay all those taxes for them. Right. Same thing in the States, all those extra bits on top that you don't see in your physical bank account, but someone's paying for you somewhere, right? right. So you actually have to go not just your salary, but all those benefits too. And you have to think about what's the market rate for all the jobs I'm doing in my business. Because oh. in the other business you were working in, someone was getting paid to do the marketing, mm -hmm. getting paid to be the accountant. Someone's getting paid to do that. So to build a business that's actually sustainable, you actually need to get paid a market rate for all those roles because otherwise you can't outsource them to someone else. Mm -hmm. Well, that comes to the not being the jilt of all trades. So yeah. tell us about that and how we use SOPs to help us not be. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that it's across both your life and your business. Jill of all trades is I've got to wear all the hats for all of the roles. And so what we've just talked about there is for someone else, you were a service provider who was the lawyer or the accountant or the insert line here. Mm -hmm. What you didn't do was be the marketing and the sales department and the accounting department and the cleaner and the administrator and the insert things here, the fix the printer person if the printer's not working. So that's that Jill of all trades. When you start out, you get really good at swapping those hats. You get really good at being all things to all people, but you can't do that for a long time. And so you have to stop being the Jill of all trades and you have to start being the master of all of them, which means I have to know enough about them to ask really good questions. I have to have good processes so I can say, hey, have you done them the way I want them done in my business. And then you have to outsource them to other people and hold them accountable to that pace. And until you stop being Jill, you are really going to find yourself stretched very thin and you're not going to be able to grow the revenue of your business in the way you could if you start thinking about where are the low value tasks in my business that I can outsource to someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Hey everyone, a quick word from our sponsor, Think Beyond IP. Think Beyond IP helps your professional services firm build the essential legal and strategic foundation required to confidently scale your business by developing, 
protecting and leveraging intellectual property assets. You can find us at thinkbeyondip.com. Now, back to the show. There is a coach here in the U.S., Natalie Ekdahl, who always says, hire as much help as you can afford. And that applies both internally in the business and at home. Because for a lot of women, we are both the CEO of our businesses and the CEO of our home. And we are the Jill of all trades of our businesses and Jill of all trades of our homes. For me, as a solopreneur, if I have a to-do list, which includes getting something for the dog or dealing with something for the house or dealing with something for a client or getting something to my accountant, these are all on my to-do list. The 24 hours in the day, <laughs> they got to get done. And there's as much yeah. value for me to outsource someone to help me around the house yeah. in the yard as helping in the business. So we shouldn't ignore all areas of our lives that we can benefit from outsourcing. Oh, absolutely. I think we forget the overwhelm comes from the whole picture of what's going on every day in your life. It doesn't come from people go, I'm so overwhelmed by my business. I'm like, cool, I'm interested about that. And let's have a conversation. But I want to know what's going on at home. Like who runs your house? They're like, oh, my husband's really good. Or my partner's really good. He vacuums. Okay, cool. But if he's doing the task, who's doing the management, the logistics, the making sure the vacuum cleaner's been empty, the making sure the vacuum cleaner's got bags in it. You talked about something for the dog and something for the cat. We talk about it as the second shift. So when we set up a home, sometimes we set it up on our own and then maybe we get a partner and maybe we get some small people. I have a small person. And we always say the small person that lives in my house rent free. So these people oh, yes. come, <laughs> they come and they form part of your home and they create workload in your home. And if they're not sharing in that workload, then that workload all lands on one person. And I think I saw this article once about if you paid someone to do all the jobs that housewife does, it's like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, yes. mm-hmm. And for me, it's more about the mental load piece. So when you look at the statistics that say across the world, something like 12% of women-owned businesses only earn more than $100,000 a year. That statistic scares the hell out of me, but it also makes sense. Because if the women are still, and we are, still in general carrying that load of free work that where does everyone need to be? When are exams? When are birthday parties? When does the dog need to go to the vet? When does registrations on cars, insurance needs to be renewed? If you're carrying all that load, it's like managing a whole nother organization. And so it's definitely, we have that conversation with our clients and we are talking about how do we share the second shift, not just the tasks of it, but the mental load as well. Because that's where the overwhelm comes from is how much am I keeping up here? And so you talk about outsourcing in your house. We have like standard operating procedures around the house for things Ah. so that we don't think about them. And we don't call them SOPs, but there's a system. Our food order is just on autopilot. It gets ordered every week. There's a system. When you use the last thing, you add it to the shopping list so that it can be processed each week to get the online shopping to come through. Keys live in the same place. It seems like ridiculous things, ridiculously Uh small things. I wash my hair on the same day every week, but not thinking about that mental load anymore actually helps. And yeah. that's why SOPs are so important in your business because instead of carrying it around up here with, I don't know, 60 to 80,000 other yes. thoughts, now you don't have to concentrate on it and your brain is free to be more creative with the solutions you're coming out with your clients and bring more humanity to what you're doing because you're not in the detail of what needs to be done every day, both at home and at work. 
this might be controversial. I'm just thinking as you mentioned this, Steve Jobs, Barack Obama, I think even Mark Zuckerberg, they're known for like wearing basically the same thing all the time so that they don't have the mental load of chosen what would women benefit from reducing the variety of the things that we wear and yeah, so this is a really interesting one. So it's something that I used to spend a lot of mental energy on in the morning. And again, it's not something everyone's going to be able to do. But in the end, I went and paid a stylist and she put together my clothes. And I literally, I have the SOP for what to wear. I have a laminated book <laughs> I love it. of my outfits. And I go, what am I doing today? And I pick it up and I go, I'm going to wear that. And then I go, those shoes, those pants, that top, that jacket. I think there's a freedom of expression in our clothes. She stands here in a bright pink dress. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to take the playfulness, the fun out of the clothes that I wear. But I do get into a bit of a rhythm. Like when I travel away, like this is my Monday outfit, this is my Tuesday outfit, this is my Wednesday. And I don't worry too much about the fact that people have seen me in the same thing all the time because I look at that and go, well, if it works for them, it works for me. I mean, like how many blue suits did he have? Like it felt like almost the same outfit all the time and nobody went, oh, that's not okay. Like why does it matter? Yeah. And I think, yeah, absolutely. Mm So you work with clients, not just on their businesses, but also kind of holistically. Do you describe yourself as a business coach, a lifestyle coach? How do you mentor? How do you describe yourself? I talk about being a business coach because people come to me because they think all their problems are with their business. And what I've learned about myself and what I know about clients now is that my life and my business are intertwined because I am an owner-operated business. Even still in our tourism business that I don't do much day to day, I'm still part of that business. And so I know that how I'm showing up and what's going on for me outside of work Mm -hmm. is just as important as what's going on in work. And actually the things that I've done on myself and for outside of work have actually been at least as impactful as the changes I've made in my business. Because if I'm not sleeping well, if I'm not drinking well, if I'm not eating well, I'm not exercising and looking after myself, then I show up half as well, at least in my business. And that was kind of my journey. I was working all the hours. I was drinking lots of caffeine during the day and then a few glasses of wine to get to sleep at night. I didn't have time to exercise and I'd go to bed at 11. I'd be up at 4.30 and did all those things. And it showed up in the business, Mm -hmm. showed up in the financial results. It showed up in the way my team engaged with me. It showed up in how suppliers engaged with me. When you start out, you're like, it's all of them. And then when you start really looking, you're like, oh, it's the woman in the mirror and I've got to do some work on me. And so for me, life first, business second. And so now we look at what do you want out of life for this chapter? Because Mm. 20-year-old Sarah wanted different things from 30-year-old Sarah (laughs) from 40-year-old Sarah. Right, totally different chapters. And so, what do I want for this chapter of life? And how is my business going to serve that? Because I think we're not all out here hustling and grinding to get to the next level of our career necessarily. We're not all hustling, grinding to have millions of dollars in a Porsche or Ferrari or a fancy house. And if you're into those things, that's awesome. But for me, it's all about having building a good life for me and my family. It's about making sure I can have choices with my child's education, choices to travel, freedom for me to be at school for assemblies and talent shows. And that's why I'm building my life. And that's what success looks like for me. And so I need to decide what that looks like there first and then build the business to serve that. Because otherwise business will eat as much time as you give it, just like it eats as much money as you give it. Right. Yeah. I love that. You know, one one of my missions with this podcast, with my business is to help women build more wealth. And so that they can, because women do those things that they take care of their families with their money. Not saying that there aren't women who don't want to build rocket ships with their money, (laughs) but most of them... (laughs) 
<laughs> want to give it away to great causes or to support the people that they care about, about their families, about their communities. And that's why it's so important to me to help women. But when we talk about legacy, I'm not talking about like later when you die and what you leave behind, but it's what you do every day, all the good things that you do for your family, for your community every day. And so when we think about that as the driver of our businesses, hopefully when we think about increasing our income, increasing our wealth, we're thinking about it in a light of generosity about all the good I can do with this instead of feeling like I'm just being greedy because it's just not. It's really about all the good you can do with it. Yeah, you can't get broke enough to help broke people. And I can't think who I heard that from, but it's a great saying. Mm -hmm. I can't get broke enough to help broke people. But when I've got financial freedom, generally I'm getting some time freedom if I'm smart about building out those systems. And then I can give back. Some of the things we've been able to do and give back to our community have been huge because of that. My husband's a volunteer firefighter here in New Zealand. Without our businesses, he wouldn't be able to do that. We've got some community groups that are bringing back the bird life to where we live that we can be involved in that probably wouldn't have been an option if we'd been working for someone else in the same way. So I totally agree with that. And I don't know a client in my program that isn't really passionate about giving back. In fact, sometimes so much so that they're giving too much of themselves to everyone else. And we just have to bring it back for a little bit and get them really focused on what Mm -hmm. they're doing to look after them first, and then they can go and give again. But that generosity is definitely a theme I see, certainly through my clients. I'm not going to assume that every woman's like that, but certainly through the people that I work with and I connect with, that's definitely where they want to go. And it seems to be, in general, more about experiences than things as well Mm -hmm. would be the other thing I would say, is they're looking to build experiences for the people they love and the people they want to have an impact on, not necessarily the next house or the next car. That's probably another theme that we see. Right. Excellent. So speaking of which, you know, this podcast is hourly the exit. And so we like to help women build businesses that hopefully they can sell someday. And part of that is building exclusivity into their business. What do they have that exclusive to them and having predictable income? Like how are they setting up systems so that someone who bought Mm -hmm. their business could run it and be even more profitable with it? So where do SOPs fit into that hourly to exit journey? I would like to say that they are very early on in the journey. I would like to say that if you start thinking about it from day one, it's going to be much easier. Most of us don't. We certainly just winged it for probably five or six years before (laughs) we even started thinking about putting processes in, which brings with it all sorts of challenges. The analogy I always use is that generally what happens is people go, I'm going to build this really cool SOP or we talk about it in terms of systems and they see a really cool piece of technology, the software that is really good for their industry or their service that they provide. And they go, I'm so excited. It's going to fix all my system problems. And they jump into it and they start building out bits of a system inside this tech. And then they go, oh, the tech's crap. Doesn't do everything I want it to do. (laughs) I see this so often and did it myself. And then I realized that we would never, ever work with a builder who said, oh, you know what? I've built loads of houses. We don't need any plans. We just need like a floor and some walls and a roof. You'd be like, no, 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 no. We're going to do a design and a plan. I want to see some paper with a plan on it first. In our businesses, we go, we're going to whack up the foundations of our business without ever thinking about it and getting it down on paper. And so the very first place I want to know is I want to know what's in your head about 
what are all the systems in your business? And I want you to get them out of there and down onto what I call the success map of here are all the areas of your business and what are all the systems that make up those areas? So what are the systems that make up your sales process? What are the systems that make up the experience people have with you? What are the systems that make up you getting paid? What are the systems that make up you being compliance, doing the tax thing, doing the health and safety, whatever it is that wherever you are in the world, you have to comply with. And once you've got that down on paper, then we can start to think about it in step by step and we can build each system out. Again, it's my mum brain and we have a lot of Lego in our house. But if you think about like Lego when it comes, I think about your business like the box of Lego that's next door in my daughter's room. She's pulled everything out. She's built the original thing. And Mm -hmm. now we have this box full of different colored pieces and Mm -hmm. wheels and stuff. And it's all shook together. And every now and then she brings me one of the books and I'm like, inside I die a little because she's got the most extravagant castle or the most extravagant (laughs) boat or whatever that she wants. So she's like, can we build this, mum? And I'm looking at the box of everything going, oh God, how are we ever going to put it back together like that? And that's kind of where you've got to in your business. And so you need to go back that step and go, hey, I've got a picture of what I want my business to look like when it's systemized. And then we're going to put all the pieces for each system into kind of a little bag. You know, when you shake out the big box of Lego and it goes, step one, here's the bag of Lego and you open it up and you just put those pieces together. That's what we're doing with your business. And if you start there by doing the systems that cost you the most time or the most money or cause you the most frustration in your business, so there's things where things are going wrong most often, then you can start there and slowly build your whole business out. But you've got to have the plan first before you start building because otherwise you're just going to get frustrated with the piece of technology or the human being that's doing it for you because they're not doing it right. So the first step is to know where you want to be at the end of the process. Yeah. Yeah. What will this look like if it's completely Mm -hmm. systemized for me Mm -hmm. and then slowly work through systemizing it? You might not ever systemize 100% of your business. Mm -hmm. If I did 20% Mm -hmm. of my business, things would be 80% better. Right, right. (laughs) Now, here's a question for you. I'm not sure what your hint will be, actually. Can you have too much, too many systems? Can you overdo it? Oh, really good question. I think the answer is no with a qualification. I don't think you can have too many systems. I think you can make them feel too robotic. And so I think you have to think about when I'm building these systems, how do I build them so they're like me? Everyone talks about, oh, I don't want to get a whole lot of autoresponders or automatic emails. Everybody knows what they are now. You need to write those or you need to create those so that people think it's a real person writing them. The number of responses we get to automatic emails that we send out people thinking it's a specific email just to them. Mm-hmm. And that's what tells me we've got it just right. There's things in the background that can happen without you that your clients don't need to know about, which gives you more spaciousness to give them more of you to do the things that matter. But you have to be careful it doesn't come across like they're just a number in the system. And so we talk about how are we ticking off, and it's a Tony Robbins model, his six human needs model, where he talks about certainty, variety, love and connection, significance, growth and contribution. How are we making sure we're fitting everybody's needs? We're filling our clients' needs. And if you've got team members or your team members' needs on every step of the process and every little box, how are we filling those? Because I don't think you can have too many systems. I think you can spend too long building them. But I also think you can make them too robotic. And so you have to think about how am I filling those psychological needs for each of my clients with the systems that I'm building out. And for people who feel like, well, it's going to take the creativity and the out of it. What is your advice to them? Uh, My answer is that at the moment you're doing repetitive tasks that take no creativity and you're using (laughs) art 
the part of your brain that is required for your creativity. So Mm -hmm. actually right now your creativity is lower than it needs to be. Mm -hmm. That spaciousness to be creative. I have a past client now who's a website designer and she's one of those, she wants to be creative and spontaneous. Mm -hmm. And she pushed back a lot against this for a long time. And if you talk to her today, she'd go, honestly, I've never been more creative and I've never been more spontaneous. But she says, I have something to be spontaneous away from. And I have time to be creative because before I was just so busy doing the do and my brain was so full of every task I needed to do that really the standard of the creativity that I was doing was actually much lower than it needed to be. And she's someone who's planning to take the whole of next year off from her work and her business is just growing and growing and going because she's got the right foundations. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Well, let's her stay in her zone of genius when she doesn't have all that other stuff. Totally. Cause we're not all geniuses yes. at doing accounts and yeah. doing admin and stuff. And like I said, no one, I always feel a bit rude cause I was an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not very few people, unless you're an accountant, got out of working for someone else. So you could be an accountant. You got out to do the thing you love, whatever that piece is that you're really great at mm-hmm. to serve people with. So that's the piece that's important. Agreed. Well, as I mentioned, this is a very meta podcast. I'm a female founder and I'm hoping to build a business that maybe I can sell someday. Tell me, are you hoping to sell your business someday? Yeah, absolutely. So we've sold a couple of businesses, some well, some not so well in the past. There are certainly some things that you want to be careful along the way. I, for a long time, didn't think that this particular business is one that I could sell. And now I can actually see, I can really put my thoughts, my IP, the way I do things into really good templated, almost products, I guess, systems that I can sell. And that's been a real game changer for me in the last two years. And it's really been about how can I build this so someone else can teach it and it can still have the same impact. Because for me, if I'm not giving women back their time and I'm not increasing their income, then I'm not making that impact. Because I think that ripple effect is really great with women because of how we're inherently generous and we want to do things for the people that we love, that nurturing side of us. So yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that opportunity. Not yet. I think I'd get bored. <laughs> well, then there would be yeah. something else. I have a yeah. feeling that you would just yeah. have another idea that you would chase. So. <laughs> and that would definitely upset my husband because he's like, no, more businesses. So yeah, definitely at some point, the goal would be by the time I'm 50, which is nine years away now, that's what I will have done. I will have exited the business. Excellent. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So this audience loves a resource to help them on their early to exit journey. Do you have some resources that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, absolutely. And so if what we've been talking about here today really resonates with you and you would like to get some time back and you would like to start thinking about building out those systems, I've got some free resources for you. So over at sarahgreener.com. It'll be in the show notes, by the way. Hourly, so it'll be easy to find for you. And there's a copy of my free book where I talk about my journey from working 80 to 100 hours a week down to where I am now. I know I was crazy. (laughs) 60 felt like part-time for a long time. So there's a copy of that book there that you can download for free. You can join the community. There's a whole lot of training in there where I talk about how we success map, how we help our teams use those systems. And then lastly, if it's of value, we can do a quick 15-minute freedom game plan where we talk about where you're at and where you want to be and what are the first three steps you need to take to get from where you're at to that freedom place that you want to be. Wonderful. That is so generous. Thank you very much for that. You did tell us where you could sarahgreener.com and, but also where else can people find you on the interwebs? <laughs> yeah, I'm on Instagram at Sarah Greener Cat. 
Sarah Greenart Coach, she says. Slowly, Sarah. And the same on Facebook, Sarah Greenart Coach. And you can also just connect with me by my name, Sarah Greenart on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, thank you. This has been a delight. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom with us today. My absolute pleasure. I've super enjoyed it and can't wait for you to come visit New Zealand, the top of the North Island next time. I know. Around. My kid wants to come. So I think I'm going to have to make a return. So absolutely. Thank absolutely. you, Sarah. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. Do not forget to check out the show notes for links to connect with today's guest and for the resources, offers, and organizations that we discussed. You can also find the links at hourlytoexit.com backslash podcast. If you got value from this episode, please subscribe, and I'd be so grateful for a review. I'm here to support your journey.